Hello, Davina. Hello, Shmuel. Hello, Susie. Hello, Mahit. And hello, Vanessa. How are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? Buttons around on the screen. And I'm reading from a book called Hypnotherapy, an exploratory casebook by Milton H. Erickson and Ernst L. Rossi. Um, this should be of interest to those of you who are into NLP or um, uh, Ericksonian uh, hypnotherapy or any hypnotherapy in, in general, um, uh, or just anything to do with sort of trance or if you're interested in, um, in psychology and stuff. Um, there's a lot of, I've got a lot of data, a lot of information. So I'm gonna read for eh, maybe about 20 minutes or so. Um, um, instead of just reading, 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 reading nonstop, because that could be potentially quite boring, um, not only for you, but for me, because I've done this before, um, every now and again, I'll stop um, and I'll invite you guys to maybe, I don't know, you can either come up onto the stage and join me and ask questions or send messages in the back channel um, or whatever. But I hope this is interesting. Uh, I think this stuff is really fascinating. And um, if those of those amongst us who are professionals, um, uh, I, I assume you know the importance of, of continuous professional development and always learning new things and thinking about things, old things in new ways and that. And, and deepening our knowledge and um it's my my belief that uh, milton h erickson is well he's the godfather of all, all this sort of hypnosis and nlp and and trance work type stuff <clears throat> oh and my name's darren shaw i'm a trainer of nlp and um and i use hypnosis in my work on a regular basis so yeah this is my subject okay so i'm starting um uh, I'm starting with chapter one of this book. Again, it's called Hypnotherapy, an Exploratory Casebook um, by Milton H. Erickson and Ernst Rossi. Chapter one, the utilization approach to hypnotherapy. We view hypnotherapy as a process whereby we help people utilize their own mental associations, memories, and life potentials to achieve their own therapeutic goals. Hypnotic suggestion can facilitate the utilization of abilities and potentials that already exist within a person, but that remain unused or underdeveloped because of lack of training or understanding. The hypnotherapist carefully explores a patient's individuality to ascertain what life learnings, experiences and mental skills are available to deal with the problem. The therapist then facilitates an approach to trance experience, wherein the patient may utilize these uniquely personal internal responses to achieve therapeutic goals. Our approach may be viewed as a three-stage process. One, a period of preparation during which the therapist explores the patient's um, repertoire of life experiences and facilitates constructive frames of reference to orient the patient towards therapeutic change. An activation, uh, to an activation and utilization of the patient's own mental skills during a period of therapeutic trance. And three, a careful recognition, evaluation, and ratification 
of the therapeutic change that takes place. In this first chapter, we will introduce some of the factors contributing to the successful experience of each of these stages. In the chapters that follow, we will illustrate and discuss them in greater detail. So today I'm just going to read um, the initial uh, chapter. I'm not going to go into the detail today. Maybe another day if, if, they, if it's of interest to you guys. Hello, Nikki, uh, and hello, Vox, and hello, Cosmos. So one, so there was three things mentioned there, and uh, I'm going to do the first one, uh, preparation. The initial phase of hypnotherapeutic work consists of a careful period of observation and preparation. Initially, the most important factor in any therapeutic interview is to establish a sound rapport, that is, a positive feeling of understanding and mutual regard between therapist and patient. Through this rapport, therapist and patient together create a new therapeutic frame of reference that will serve as the growth medium in which the patient's therapeutic responses will develop. The rapport is the means by which therapist and patient secure each other's attention. Both develop a yes set or acceptance of each other. The therapist presumably has a well-developed ability to observe and relate. The patient is learning to observe and achieve a state of response attentiveness. That state of extreme attentiveness in responding to the nuances of communication presented by the therapist. In the initial interview, the therapist gathers the relevant facts regarding the patient's problems and the repertoire of life experiences and learnings that will be utilized for therapeutic purposes. Patients have problems because of learned limitations. They are caught in mental sets frames of reference and belief systems that do not permit them to explore and utilize their own abilities to the best advantage. Human beings are still in the process of learning to use their potentials. The therapeutic transaction ideally creates a new phenomenal world in which patients can explore their potentials, freed to some extent from their learned limitations. As we will later see, therapeutic trance is a period during which patients are able to break out of their learned frameworks and belief systems so they can experience other patterns of functioning within themselves. These other patterns are usually response potentials that have been learned from previous life experience but, for one reason or another, remain unavailable to the patient. The therapist can explore the patient's personal histories, character, emotional dynamics, their field of work, their interests, their hobbies, and so on to assess the range of life experiences and responsibilities, responsibilities that may be available for achieving therapeutic trance. Most of the cases here uh, will illustrate um, this process. Now, as the therapist explores the patient's world and facilitates rapport, it is almost inevitable that new frames of reference and belief systems are created. This usually happens whenever people meet and interact closely. In hypnotherapy, this spontaneous opening and shifting of mental frameworks and belief systems is carefully studied, facilitated and utilized. 
The therapist is in a constant process of evaluating what limitations are at the source of the patient's problem and what new horizons can be opened to help the patient outgrow these limitations. In the preparatory phase of hypnotherapeutic work, mental frameworks are facilitated in a manner that will enable the patient to respond to the suggestions that will be received later during trance. During trance. Suggestions made during trance frequently function like keys turning the tumblers of a patient's associative process within the locks of certain mental frameworks that have already been established. A number of hypnotherapic, uh, hypnotherapic users, uh, a number of hypnotherapeutic workers, including uh, Weizenhofer, Schneck uh, from uh, 1957, 1970, 1975, have described um, how what is said before trance is formally induced can enhance hypnotic suggestion. We agree and emphasize that effective trance work is usually preceded by a preparatory phase during which we can help patients create an optimal attitude and belief system for therapeutic process. A singularly important aspect of this optimal attitude is expectancy. Patients' expectations of therapeutic change permits them to suspend the learned limitations and negative life experiences that are at the source of their problems. A suspension of disbelief and an extraordinarily high expectation of cure has been used to account for the miraculous healing sometimes achieved within a religious belief system. As will be seen in our overall analysis of the dynamics of therapeutic trance in the following section, such seemingly miraculous healing can be understood as a special manifestation of the more general process we utilize to facilitate therapeutic responses in hypnotherapy. Oh, crikey. Oh, that's a mouthful. So that's the first part, preparation. Um, at this point, I shall pause. Do people in the room have any questions, um, or would you like to come to the stage and um, and and have a chat or anything like that, or um, ask me to go over any parts of this again? If so, I shall give you a few seconds to make that decision. Um, any of you who wish to come to the stage um, and and listen from up here and interact, feel free to just raise your hand, come up. If not, I shall just continue on to. Um, um, the second part of the the three important uh, components. Also, do remember this is on replay, so you can watch this back later. Um, I'm going to leave it on replay at least for 24 hours, maybe longer. Um, but then what I'll probably do is download the audio from this and um, put it up on my website or something like that uh, for people to download. I think as many people need access to this as, as possible. Or I'll just leave it on Clubhouse. Either or, I don't know. Think about that a bit later. Okay, no, no thoughts, questions, comments, reflections. Okay, I'll go on to the second part of the uh, three parts of importance. Therapeutic trance. Um, therapeutic trance is a period during which the limitations of one's usual frames of references and beliefs are temporary or temporarily altered so that one can be receptive to other patterns of association and modes of mental functioning that are conducive to problem solving. 
We view the dynamics of trance induction and utilization as a very personal experience wherein the therapist helps patients to find their own individual ways. Trance experience is not a standardized process that can be applied in the same way to everyone. There is no method or technique that always works with everyone or even with the same person on different occasions. Because of this, we speak of approaches to trance experience. We thereby emphasize that we have many means of facilitating, guiding, or teaching how one might be led to experience the state of receptivity that we call therapeutic trance. However, we have no universal method for affecting the same universal trance state in everyone. Most people with problems can be guided to experience their own unique variety of therapeutic trance when they understand that it may be useful. The art of the hypnotherapist is in helping patients reach an understanding that will help them give up some of the limitations of their common everyday worldview so that they can achieve a state of receptivity to the new and creative uh, within themselves. For didactic purposes, we have conceptualized the dynamics of trance induction and suggestion as a five-stage process outlined, um, outlined uh, here now. While we may use this paradigm as a convenient framework for analyzing many of the hypnotherapeutic approaches, we will illustrate in this volume, it must be understood that the individual manifestations of the process will be just as unique and various as there are natures of the people experiencing it. We will now outline our understanding of these five stations. Five. Uh, so this five. So there's a, there's an image in this book um, of five a five stage paradigm of the dynamics of trance induction and suggestion from Erickson and uh, and Rossi. Stage one, fixation of attention. Stage two, depotentiating habitual frameworks and belief systems. So whatever habits and beliefs they have, um, like smashing that out of the way. Step three unconscious search. Step four, unconscious process. Step five, hypnotic response. This is the framework. I'm wondering if there's a way I can take a picture of this and put it up later. I don't know. I'll attempt later. Um, I'll attempt to do that. All right, just uh, hold on one second, everyone. Just Oh, cracking, scrolling through my stuff. Um, bum, 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 bum. Crikey, Darren, where are you? Losing yourself on the pages. One moment, everybody. Ugh, this is what happens when you try to do things like that. I've just scrolled through loads and loads of pages by accident. Now, going to break this down. That's an easy for you. So those five stages, um, I'm going to break those down into, into further detail. Fixation of attention. The fixation of attention has been the classical approach for initiating the therapeutic trance or hypnosis. The therapist would ask the patient to gaze at a spot or candle 
uh, flame, a bright light, a revolving mirror, the therapist's eyes, gestures, um, swinging pendulums, look into my eyes deeply. I added that, it's not in the reading, <laughs> or whatever. Or as experience accumulated in hypnosis, it became evident that the point of fixation could be anything that held the patient's attention. Further, the point of fixation doesn't need to be external. It's even more effective to focus attention on the patient's own body and inner experience. Thus, approaches such as hand levitation, body relaxation were developed. Encouraging the patient to focus on sensations or internal imagery led attention inward even more effectively. <clears throat> That's where they developed NLP. Many of these approaches have become standardized and are well described in reference works on hypnosis from uh, uh, Weizenhofer, Hartland, 1966, and Haley, uh, 1967. The beginner in hypnotherapy may well study these standardized approaches and closely follow some of them to initiate trance in a formalized manner. They are often highly impressive to the patient and very effective in inducing trance. Student therapists will be in error, however, if they attempt to utilize only one approach as the universal method and thereby blind themselves to the unique motivations and manifestations of trance development in each person. The therapist who carefully studies the process of attention in everyday life, as well as in the consulting room, will soon come to recognize that an interesting story or a fascinating fact or fantasy can fixate attention just as effectively as a formal induction. Anything that fascinates and holds or absorbs a person's attention could be described as hypnotic. We have the concept of the common everyday trance for those periods in everyday life when we are so absorbed or preoccupied with one matter or another that we momentarily use, uh, use and lose track sometimes of our outer environment. The most effective means of focusing and fixating uh, uh, attention in clinical practice is to recognize and acknowledge the patient's current experience. When the therapist correctly labels the patient's ongoing here and now experience, the patient is usually and immediately grateful and open to whatever else the, patient, uh, the therapist may have to say. Acknowledging the patient's current reality thus opens a yes set for whatever suggestions the therapist may wish to introduce. This is the basis of the utilization approach to trance induction, wherein the therapists gain their patient's attention by focusing on their current behavior and experiences. Illustrations of this utilization approach to trance induction um, uh, will be uh, presented later. Right, take a breath from speaking for a moment. Well, reading and speaking at the same time. Hello, everyone in the room. Hello, Dina, Sarah, Cosmos, Mohit, Nikki, Vox, Ali, and Minnie. Hello, everyone. Do you know what? I'm going to give you an example of utilization um, based on the stuff from Ericsson there. And by the way, if anyone wishes to raise their hand, come to the stage, send me a message on the back channel. Again, I'll continue to repeat that. That's absolutely fine. Um, I love this subject. It's cool. And if you're a coach, um, these, these are really, really cool things to, 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 to figure out and learn. Hello, everyone. 
You are currently in the NLP Mastery and Coaching Clubhouse. Notice what time it is. This is a book reading from Mil uh, about Milton Erickson on the subject of hypnosis and thereby the basis of NLP. There are nine people in this room at the moment and Darren is speaking on the stage. And you right now are where you are. Some of you in this room can feel the feeling of the seat beneath your bum as you continue to listen to the sound of my voice, paying attention to the thoughts that are going through your mind about how useful some of this stuff may be. Some of you might be thinking, hmm, this is interesting, can do with more of this. Some of you may be thinking, oh, I want to learn hypnosis. And some of you might be thinking, I don't know what I'm thinking, but this is interesting stuff. And some of you may be wondering at the same time, why is Darren speaking in this manner and doing this thing? Because I am implementing and applying exactly what I just read about. The yes set. I just listed a whole bunch of stuff that it's more, it's more likely than not that, uh, that you can't say no to. You are in the NLP Mastery and Coaching Clubhouse you can notice what time it is. Some of you, I assume, will be sitting on a chair right now so you can feel your butt um, uh, firmly on the chair. You are all listening to the sound of my voice. You can be aware that there were nine, but there's now eight people in the room. All of these things are a yes set. Now, in order to induce trance, whether that's doing public speaking or doing hypnosis or doing NLP therapeutic techniques or doing counseling or doing psychotherapy or any of these sorts of things, utilization of whatever's happening right now in the room in order to induce and use a yes set, um, it's a really easy thing to learn. Hmm. I hope I'm making sense as I do this now. Hmm. I'm wondering how much more to read because there is a fair amount of this stuff. And I did, I did initially say I was going to read for about 20 minutes or so. Ooh, actually, I should make these decisions. It's too difficult to make. What do you guys in the room think? Would you like me to read a little bit more or have you had enough? I'm happy to read a whole nother uh, section if you require it um and maybe leave as mm, part of me thinking leave uh doing some more reading to another day or time maybe i don't know um yeah you can let me know via back channel or you can come to the stage or if nobody says anything at all i'm gonna assume that i don't know maybe nobody can hear me it's like outer space. <laughs> it's a clubhouse for me has become like outer space. No one can hear me scream. Ah! Does anyone remember that line from the movie? Uh, uh, outer space, no one can hear you scream from aliens. Or no, oh cracky. Mm -hmm -hmm. Okay, no responses at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Okay, there is a response. Do you know what? For the one person who's responded, I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry on, and I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna read one more bit of this. Um, you know, if I mean, if it's gonna make even just one person happy and uh, entertained, then then um, that's all good. Oh, somebody else has just messaged me on Instagram with a bunch of hearts and smiley faces and hearts and eyeballs face and all that sort of stuff. Ah, uh, yes, um, person who is currently in India. Uh, 
hello my hit <laughs> i was just gonna say currently in india but hey hello my hit um yeah i've got time um but I, again i don't want to you know i don't want to read stuff if i'm boring you guys to death you know what i mean or or whatever i know this isn't for everyone um all right i'll read uh, i'm just looking through this to see how much more i'm gonna read right i can see how much more i'm gonna read already i'm gonna read one more bit because it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more complex as as the reading continues. Um, so far, I've only read out the easy bits and I'm trying to emphasize certain words and read it in an engaging way because it's written in old school English, uh, posh English, uh, British English. Even though Milton Erickson, quite funny enough, was from the United States of America. Has anyone ever heard of a place called Phoenix in Arizona? Ar Arizona, is it Arizona or Arizona? Oh my God, ow. See, I'm from England, so for me, it's just, I don't know, I'll work that bit out later. Um, okay, so oh, one person's coming to the what do you call it? Hello, person coming to the what do you call it? Arizona. Arizona. Uh, Arizona. So it's not Arizona. A Arizona. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I came up. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Why can't it be easy to pronounce like Alaska or something? Oh, cracky or Colorado, Arizona. Am I saying that right? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Get me, I could do all this reading and bloody comes to one simple... Uh, anyway, moving swiftly on. All right, thanks, guys. Um, feel free to stay there. Uh, it just means I'm going to bug you more about um, saying stuff. But um, thank you for uh, for the help there. All right, so I'm going to read... Um, I'm going to read one more bit of this and then I'm going to stop. And if anyone wants to talk um, with me about hypnosis and the things that I've covered so far, um, then I will be happy to do that. Um, or if anyone wants me to just give my opinion on how you can even simplify this stuff um, and stuff, then that's fine too. Right, this next section is called Depotentiating Habitual Frameworks and Belief Systems. In a nutshell, that means smashing up people's um, uh, habits um, and, uh, and, and limiting belief systems. In our view, so this is um, Ericsson and, um, and his, uh, his, uh, his peer, Rossi. Um, in our view, one of the most useful psychological effects of fixating attention is that it tends to depotentiate or smash up patients' habitual mental sets, habits, and common everyday frames of reference. Their belief systems are more or less interrupted and suspended for a moment or two. Consciousness has been distracted. During that momentary suspension, latent patterns of association and sensory perceptual experience have an opportunity to assert themselves in a manner that can initiate the altered state of consciousness that has been described as trance or hypnosis. There are many means of depotentiating habitual frames of reference, smashing up habits. I should rewrite this whole book in bloody, um, no, I won't do that. <laughs> Behave, Dina. Any experience of shock or surprise momentarily fixates attention and interrupts the previous pattern of association. Any experience of the unrealistic, the unusual, or the fantastic provides an opportunity for altered modes of apprehension. The authors of this book have described uh, how confusion, doubt, 
association, uh, disassociation, disequilibrium are all means of depotentiating patients' learned limitations, limiting beliefs, so that they may become open and available for new means of experiencing and learning, which are the essence of therapeutic trance, according to Erickson, Rossi, and another Rossi in 1976. The interruption and suspension of our common everyday belief system has been described by the junior author, so that's Rossi, as a creative moment. So that moment, so this is my words now, that moment where you can suspend somebody's consciousness and tap into their unconscious mind um, and help them go to a hypnotic trance, that moment is um, described by Rossi as a creative moment because their mind can do anything. Imagine what we could all do if our minds could do everything, people. I'd be able to hop on a plane, go to America and come and see your lovely country or India hmm, one day. So back to the reading. But what is a creative moment? Such moments have been celebrated as the exciting hunch by scientific workers and inspiration by people in the arts, according to Barron 1969. A creative moment occurs when a habitual pattern of association is interrupted. There may be a spontaneous lapse or relaxation of one's habitual associative process. There may be a psychic shock, an overwhelming sensory or emotional experience, a psychedelic drug, no, but none of you get any ideas now, a toxic condition or sensory deprivation may serve as the catalyst. Yoga, Zen, spiritual and meditative exercises may likewise be uh, interrupt our habitual associations and introduce a momentary void in awareness. In that fraction of a second, when the habitual contents of awareness are knocked out, there is a chance for pure awareness, the pure light of the void to shine through. This fraction of a second may be experienced as a mystic state, a sartori, a peak experience or altered state of consciousness. It may be experienced as a moment of fascination or falling in love with the gap in one's awareness, um, which is filled by the new that suddenly intrudes itself. The creative moment is thus a gap in one's habitual pattern of awareness. Bartlett, 1958, has described how the genesis of original thinking can be understood as the filling in of mental gaps. The new that appears, the new that appears in creative moments is thus the basic unit of original thought and insight as well as personality change. Experiencing a creative moment may be the phenomenological correlate of a critical change in the molecular structure of proteins within the brain associated with learning. According to Gato 1972, Rossi 1973, or the creation of new cell assemblies and phase sequences, um, according to Hebb 1963. These are some really hardcore scientific references here. Heavy and learning, if anybody knows their, their neuronal stuff. The relation between psychological shock and creative moments is apparent. A psychic shock interrupts a person's habitual associations, habits for short, so that something new may appear. Ideally, a psychic shock sets up the conditions for a creative moment when a new insight, attitude or behaviour change may take place in the subject. 
Erickson 1948 has also described hypnotic trance itself as a special psychological state which affects a similar break in the patient's in the patient's conscious and habitual associations habits so that creative learning can take place last bit then i'm gonna land this damn plane in everyday do you know what for this last bit here because it's the last and final paragraph i'm gonna slip into eric um milton erickson's voice so you can understand it in the voice that it was intended i'm erickson was very very good at british english but i'm gonna give it to you in full-on arizonian uh, phoenix um uh, style in everyday one is continuously confronted with difficult and puzzling situations that mildly shock and interrupt one's usual way of thinking. Ideally, these problem situations will initiate a creative moment of inflection that may provide an opportunity for something new to emerge. Psychological problems develop when people do not permit the naturally changing circumstances of life to interrupt their old and no longer useful patterns of association and experience so that new solutions and attitudes may emerge. I swear to God, that's how Milton Erickson talks. Even more creepier sounding than that, as I've uh, tried to take the creep out of my uh, my mid-range in my voice. Uh, those of you who are sound people will know what I'm talking about. <sighs> On that note, everybody, that's that's it. I'm gonna stop reading now because, um, yeah, I mean the next the next part of this is really interesting, but it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'd prefer to go over what we've just discussed or uh, get feedback, have uh, discussions about this, um, rather than just overwhelming everyone with loads and loads and loads and loads of information because learning doesn't work that way, you know. Um, I see hand put up. I've I've pressed the button, but person isn't. I don't know how to make that work. Um, does anybody on the stage want to say anything um, or reflect, uh, ask questions, give opinions, um, discuss hypnosis? Um, if not, then I'll back away from this room, Dina or Cosmos. Yeah, I think, uh, thank you for, uh, you know, I've um, heard about uh, Milton Erickson and um, I'm glad that you um uh, you know, you're really into this and 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 sharing uh, your uh, knowledge with us um, and and your time as far as um, uh, you know going over uh, one of the great uh, NLP masters. Oh God, I have my mic on. Um, thank you very much, Roy. That, that that means a lot. Thank you very much. Do you know what I? I got into NLP a long, long time ago. And while I was training in NLP, um, they pointed out that in NLP, there's this thing called the Milton model. But what I noticed is that on many, many courses, they don't fully go into the Milton model, but they talk about it and they tell you all these, all these basic language patterns in order to use it influential, influence, influentially, crack it, let's slow down, um, when you're doing your NLP stuff. And I've, I've met a lot of the really, really um, uh, top NLP people who helped to develop the field. And they're all really good at um, Ericksonian stuff. But nobody ever talks about 
um, Ericksonian words. I've never, ever, ever heard anybody read um, Milton Erickson's words out loud, out loud. Sorry, I've never heard anyone quote a vast amount of this guy's knowledge. And NLP was heavily based on this stuff. Now I can see why, and it makes sense to me. I can see why. NLP was able to explode and fly in the world and do really well for a, a gigantic period of time. It's kind of died down a little bit now, just a bit. But I can see why NLP kind of took off because NLP basically simplified um, this really sort of posh, old school um, kind of uh, deep um, uh, academic English. And it sort of simplified it. Like Richard Bandler, Richard Bandler simplified all of this stuff um by uh yeah he just simplified all this stuff just by swearing and chatting chatting mad stuff and just and just making it really um simple for for more business people to understand or more simple people to get that are people that aren't academics and that and i i still think at the end of the day if you if you want to get good at coaching nlp hypnosis or even just better at everyday communication with with others you need to go back to the source now, Milton Erickson, there is nobody who's been able to, to do better than this guy in terms of influencing the whole world of hypnosis. This guy is a god. Um, Milton Erickson isn't only the, the basis um, for NLP, but he's also the basis for um, uh, various different types of family therapy. Um, I can't remember the different family therapy types now. I can't remember the, what they're called and stuff. But there's loads and loads of different types of th family therapy that were based on the works of Milton H. Erickson. And then over time, they stopped. Some of them, some of the academics stopped quoting Milton Erickson as being the source of things. So a lot of people have forgotten this. Um, and yeah, and I'll, I'll leave that there. But I, for me, if you want to get good at this stuff, like if you really want to get masterful, if you want to get as fluid as I am with this stuff, then you really, really need to constantly, constantly practice, 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 practice. practice and read selectively read don't just go reading the crap any crap that's out there selectively read know who you're reading ask yourself why am i reading this thing don't just read things because they sound interesting that's something i've learned the hard way you don't you don't go reading um stuff to do with nlp hypnosis trance psychology don't just read things just because they sound interesting there's loads and loads of crap out there in the world that is really well written and sounds interesting read things because the person who wrote the book or the person who's based on, at the very least, is a damn genius. Um, nothing short of a damn magician. This Milton Erickson guy, he was struck down with polio when he was about 15 years old. 15 years old. And the post effects of having a polio, which I do believe is a virus. I'm pretty certain it's a virus. Um, I'm sure it is, actually. Um, he was struck down... Um, by polio and then uh, the after effects of polio was he had a, a limp hand um his eyesight wasn't too great um his way of speaking was a tiny bit slurred um he couldn't walk at all milton erickson couldn't walk he was fully 100 percent disabled however Whilst he was disabled and he was lying in his bed with his purple pajamas because he was colorblind, purple was the only real color that he could distinguish, distinguish nice and easily. So he always wore purple pajamas because he could distinguish the different shades of purple, which I think is neurologically just quite fascinating from a neuroscience perspective. So while he was lying in bed with his purple pajamas and he couldn't walk, couldn't move and for even a period of his time uh, he couldn't talk while he was lying there he noticed that the people around him 
would say things. And while they were saying things, he noticed that the things that people said and the things that people do are not congruent with each other. They're not the same. So people would say, hey, Milton, everything's going to be all right. But he would hear in their tone of voice that something was not all right about it. He would notice that people would say, yeah, I'm going to set New Year's resolutions next year. But then he would notice in their behavior, they wouldn't. He would notice a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I just made up the thing about New Year's resolution. But what he noticed while he was lying there in bed, all disabled and stuff, is he noticed that people would say one thing and it was just not congruent with his behavior or so with their behavior. So Milton Erickson, he lay there and he was developing his theory about incongruent behavior. He was developing his theories about the hypnotic um, phenomenon. He was developing his theory about trance. He was developing his theory about limiting beliefs and habits and that. And somehow he used his mind and his words inside his head to train his whole body. He made himself walk again. After 15 years old, he had polio. He made himself walk again. Not only did he make himself walk again, but he went on to, to establish a whole new type of hypnosis. A type of hypnosis now known as permissive hypnosis, what I've been describing here today from the book. Not only did he do that, he went on to found his own um, hypnosis association, which loads and loads of um, psychologists and hypnotherapists and coaches and, and whatnot signed up to. At that point in time, um, when he was a, a young adult, loads of psychologists and hypnotherapists told Milton Erickson that he was chatting rubbish and he's doing it all wrong. And that when you want to do hypnosis, you've got to use a trance induction and you've got to swing a pendulum in somebody's face. Or you've got to say to somebody, look into my eyes, look into my eyes deeply. You are getting very sleepy and this kind of stuff. And Milton Erickson was like, no, fuck this. Seriously. Milton Erickson, uh, Erickson. Milton Erickson went on to become a neurologist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and again, a, the founder of permissive hypnosis. He studied all of the types of hypnosis in order to get very, very good at putting people into trance. And as earlier on in the book, where he was saying that the old way of fixating people's attention is to maybe swing something in front of their face or get them to gaze at a spot on the wall or look at something or look into people's eyes. But instead of doing the old way of fixating people's attention, um, that whole thing of like, instead of getting them to fixate, fixate their attention outwards, get them to fixate their attention inwards. Because that's way more powerful and it's going to have way more of a really cool effect um, on people because people will be using their own mental set and their own stuff on the inside um, that they're paying attention to in order to have those creative moments which um, were discussed earlier. So again, reading this guy's work and constant practice, that's why, I mean, poor Dina, poor, poor, poor Dina. Uh, Dina's been to uh, many of my um, my trainings on, on Milton Erickson hypnotherapy, and she's been trained in simple trance, complex trance, trance induction. Um, I even allowed Dina once or, to, once or twice to do hypnosis on me. It took me about 10 minutes to teach Dina how to do a very simple trance process. Um, it is that it can be that simple. Um, 
Mahit down in the in the bottom. Uh, hello, Mahit. Mahit's um, he's in India. Mahit has been to one. Of, he's only been to one of my uh, masterclasses so far. It was uh, was it just before Christmas or just after Christmas? I can't remember. Somewhere around about Christmas, and we were discussing embedded commands. And um, within about five to ten minutes, Mahit, who's in the audience now in India, and there was another guy from India as well, um, were able to pick up how to do embedded commands within five to ten minutes. And before before they knew it, they were doing their own versions of embedded commands and having fun with this stuff again this stuff this stuff is really 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 simple but actually this is a really interesting subject and i love it um but on that note though i'm going to stop talking about milton erickson and rossi um if there is anyone in this room again i haven't scheduled anything like this but before this month is over don't know when i'm gonna do a master class on doing hypnosis um my way um if anyone's interested in coming along to a masterclass on hypnosis and i'll make it like just crazy affordable like super duper cheap um uh, to come to but if anyone's interested in coming along to a masterclass and practicing with hyp hypnotic phenomena um hypnotic talking hypnotic language and all that sort of stuff i'm happy to do such a thing and uh teach some of these things um and so on and so forth but you do have to let me know um before i get out of here who's raised their hands what's that about press button darren uh i have pressed the button hello brooke how may we help you do you have questions or thoughts comments insights i just have comments i love milton erickson um, you know he is i in my opinion one of the best uh hypnotherapists and um uh, you know psychiatrists that uh the world has ever recorded in my opinion uh just amazing work i don't even know where to start uh, <laughs> just for saying that you 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 have the power to destroy my life if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> and universes and everything there you go. right um, yeah, and, and I mean, you know, I've read his uh, his book. I, I started reading the um, uh, Hypnotic Realities at first, and that was, you know, one of the first books that I got into. And it was such a hard read at first uh, because there were all these terms like ideological, I mean, uh, uh, ideomotor uh, monitoring and, and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, the trans phenomena and, you know, how he kind of breaks down the different uh, you know, the different uh, stages to get into a trance, whether it's fixation of attention um, and, you know, basically depotentiating the conscious uh, mind um, and things like that. I mean, he it, it's such an eloquent book. Um, it explained a lot of things. Um, I, I mean, but there are also simpler models that I found in terms of trying to convey that information because when you generally tell people uh, depotentiating conscious sets, um, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, it, you know, I, I think uh, Igor's model is kind of simpler to explain. He calls it the ABS formula. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's basically, um, you know, get the attention and then bypass the critical factor um, and then, you know, stimulate the unconscious mind. Um, so, you know, I think that's a much easier on the ears of most people that, you know, don't really want to um, dive into what Milton Erickson, um, you know, how Milton Erickson really explains it. But I mean, you know, his teachings are just amazing. I'm 
um, uh, I have like the my voice would go on with you as part of my reading list, which is also a really good book um, from what I've you know skimmed through. But I think also um, you know John Grinder and uh, what's the guy that uh, worked with him. A bandler, yes, they, they they wrote a good book, um, but it was it was also a hard read. But I think it's still, um, you know, it's still worth its weight in gold. Um, the uh, uh, patterns of Milton Erickson, um, they were hard reads. Uh, I mean, I was reading them, and you know, I thought I'll get through those books uh, real quick, but I was just in such a trance reading them, uh, especially the passage on Huxley. Um, that like it took me such a long time to finish that. Brooke, and... Brooke, do you wanna do you wanna say a little bit about the uh, the the Aldous Huxley bit? Uh, I doubt many too many people in the room would even know what that, that bit's about. Yeah, sure. So, um, Huxley was a uh, you know a writer, uh, a very amazing writer, um, and you know he had this uh, he had this meditative state that he called uh, what was it the deep uh, uh, deep deep. Deep reflection, deep no, deep, deep reflection and deep trance identification. Was, yeah, was it all the? I, I mean, anyone can. Uh, some people in the room might know about Aldous Huxley in terms of him being a writer. What did he write a book called "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest"? Was that him? No, uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not he sure. He wrote something I famous that I can't remember the name of. Yeah, um, I think that the, the um, island. Uh, I can't remember. But I, I know he's got he's got some really good books. I think um, the Doors of the Universe or something like I'm that. Gonna, is one. I'm going to Google it while you talk. Doors Feel, of Perception. Yeah. Doors of Perception. Right, the Doors of Perception. Island. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. And uh, and basically, you know, he struggled to uh, explain that hypnotic phenomena, and uh, he worked with Milton Erickson to. Um, to you know to try to induce um that phenomena and and erickson helped him uh but i don't believe their work um was finished because of you know huxley's death um but i think you know it's just well worth reading i mean i was in such a deep trance just because just trying to understand the hypnotic phenomena when somebody tells you um it's especially if you're a somnambulist like me um, that would make you fall into a trance. And so, um, you know, I was in such a trance trying to understand and how to uh, and trying to see how I can actually uh, get that experience. And I, I love the trippy part of it. Um, you know, so so it was uh, it was a really good, uh, really good book. And, um, you know, I, I think everybody should read it. The deep reflection would require a little bit of practice because. Um, you know, you kind of have to develop the mental muscle, right? Like, and, uh, and and the more you work with that trance, you start to get an afterglow even after you get out of the trance. And so, um, and you keep building that up. And, and you know, uh, and, and I guess the common word for it is fractionation, because when you keep doing it, um, you go deeper. Um, so I think these are really, really, um, you know, good readings that anybody um can do with a little bit of effort um and and they would be in a trance i think regardless of them thinking whether they would be or not and and i think that's a greatly written book and and, and i don't know how to I, I wouldn't know how to write something so uh intricate um as simple 
uh, just yet. So that's all I had to say for now. Brooke, thank you for being here. Um, it's good to have a fellow um, uh, Ericsson lover in the room as well. Um, just before you came in the room, um, so before some of you came into the room, I was reading from um, Hypnotherapy and Exploratory Casebook and exactly what you said about some of the technical terms, like depotentiating mental habitual frameworks. You know, in this day and age, we'd just say break habits, right? Uh, <laughs> and yeah so the technical terms and that that exactly what you said i'm so just i'm just reflecting exactly what you just said brooke um there's so many people that won't bother reading milton erickson because erickson was just on another level academically in this stuff and again um I, i'm not sure if you were in the room when i was saying it this is a guy who developed his stuff and developed his thinking while lying on his um on his back completely broken um and you know legs not working colorblind everything's going wrong with his body um people around people around ericsson when he was in bed were saying that you know he was he wasn't going to live past a certain age and he was going to die and obviously milton ericsson in his own probably um over academic way just thought "Fuck that <laughs> just screw that or um and and you know he noticed that people were saying everything was going to be fine even though he overheard doctors saying hey, he ain't gonna live very long. Do you know what I mean? And the fact that this guy was able to use his mind and linguistics and and just noticing um, uh, the congruency and incongruency in communication, and he was able to sort of just train himself to, to come out of that and become one of the most renowned human beings on this planet. I don't know anyone um, in the modern age who's had as much influence as that guy. And on what you said about um, the uh, the book written by Bandler and Grinder um, before they before they basically stole most of his stuff, simplified it, and and, and stepped into calling it NLP. Um, they, what what Bandler and Grinder did is they wrote they had the intention of writing three books. They wrote one book together, Bandler and Bandler and Grinder. One book was the Hypnotic Patterns of Milton H. Erickson. They wrote that together, but then. Richard Bandler, I think Richard Bandler is one of those people that just thought, fuck this, I don't, you know, I don't want to have to do all this academic shit, you know. So Richard Bandler started being a bit disrespectful of Milton Erickson and calling him names and insulting his wife and all this sort of stuff. So Milton told him, told Bandler he couldn't come back to the house, but he said Grinder could. So there was a second volume written called uh, Hypnotic Patterns 2. And that second book is very, very linguistics heavy because that was mainly rich, written by uh, John Gr Grinder, who was much more into linguistics than anything that's that's why that's why that's a mad read and it's very very hardcore academic and the third book was never written so because that third book was never written the milton model of nlp was never ever 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 completed so if you ever meet an nlp person who's saying that they know and they've studied the whole milton model of nlp they're chatting crap because the model was never finished the, oh and i actually love this fact I love the fact that in order to really finish understanding as best as you can Milton Erickson, you need to go on your own journey. You need to watch Milton Erickson videos. You need to re read Milton Erickson's writing. You also need to read the NLP books. Um, you need to practice with other people and you just need to find your own space within that. You know, uh, I've been doing this for a little while now and I found ways of utilizing uh, Ericksonian um, communication in British English, American English, Jamaican English. Um, I even use, uh, I'm a rapper and I even use um, Ericksonian patterns in my rapping and stuff um, in order to get a whole room of people by using embedded commands and uh, huge generalizations to get the crowd to go wild. Do you know what I mean? 
this guy is an absolute genius. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally, totally with you on that one. Um, yeah, man. So I've enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Does anybody else have anything else to say? Because I can go about this very, very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also, anyone in the audience who wants to come to the stage as well, feel free. Or you can stay down there. Feel free. All good. Just, just really casual at the moment. Um, do remember that this is a recording on a replay. Um, I'm probably going to let it stay on the re on the replay thing on Clubhouse for about 24 hours, and then I'm going to take I'm going to uh, take the audio and turn it in, or probably put it on my podcasting on my website or something. Because again, more conversations like this need to happen. Um, I don't know how everyone else in the room feels about this, but it's 2022. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Everything's different whatever you thought about the world before and and it's almost like a, a gigantic breaking of people uh, depotentiating de of people's mental frameworks and habitual sets right now because the whole world has been snapped out of whatever habits they were in before and this is an opportunity for those of you in the room when, when i was doing the reading this is an opportunity to get into all of your creative moments and this is an opportunity to create a whole new world crikey I almost started singing the bloody disney song um but i won't do that today um pandemic restrictions crap going on in the world this is an opportunity to to change the state the hypnotic state that you've been in up until now and do whatever else it is you want and put yourself into and i'm glad that it's the start of the year um again this is my opinion and uh, you know i'm basing this on sort of ericksonian thought this is your opportunity to to break the trance that you've been in for ages break your limiting beliefs that you know have been holding you stuff for ages and snap into some more empowering beliefs some more empowering hypnotic states or trance or whatever whatever and do whatever the hell you want like no one gives a fuck anymore you know like pfft, the world's changed a lot there's no such thing as an expert anymore you know i i don't call myself an expert i'm continuously um developing professionally that's why i'm sitting here with you guys today i just thought you know what darren um you need to get back on on reading over your ericksonian material and i just thought it would be a really really good idea to 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 do it publicly and come in here and see if there's like-minded people that want to do that whatever your profession is whatever it is you do getting good at it should be the aim getting good at it should be the aim if there's people in this room that aren't trying to be coaches or hypnotherapists or whatever whatever it is you do getting freaking excellent at it it should be the one and never ever thinking that you're too good to to learn more things to to enable yourself more do you know what there's a part of me because i'm looking right now at the parts of this book that i haven't read um so for those of you that weren't here earlier, I read through most of chapter one on um, uh, basically uh, reading an exploratory casebook. And there's some other, there's some more stuff here that is just pure gold. And there's a massive part of me that wants to continue, but I'm not going to do that now because I've been doing it too long. The next section, for example, is called Unconscious Search and Unconscious Process by freaking Milton and Rossi. Like, I mean, what? Say what? Say what? If more than two people in this room say uh do it another day not now um do a, a book reading and continue and read from that part going forward um then i'll do it i'll find the time to do it could even do it in an hour from now because i'm gonna i'm probably gonna be awake for the next four hours or so um but if more than two people ah, i don't know maybe not do it today maybe do it tomorrow or something like that um but if more than two people say do it uh on the back channel or on instagram I'm more than happy to uh, to read from this 
and keep it going. And again, I, th I think it's really, really useful to go through this stuff. So again, it's up to you. I could just sit and do it by myself, but that's way less fun. Certain things are better with other people and not so great by yourself. Yeah. But on that note, if there is there any, anyone on the stage that wishes to say anything before I say goodbye? Going. Uh, I'd like to just say, yeah, um, if anybody has the videos for, uh, you know, Milton Erickson, like in the room with Milton Erickson, I do have. But if anybody has anything else, um, I would definitely appreciate that because I know some of them. Um, are uh you know are not generally available so if anybody has them uh send me a message in the back channel or so do you know why they're not generally available are you aware of a guy called jeffrey zerg was it z yeah. yeah 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 he's the gatekeeper he's trying to make sure that nobody gets access to the gold there's loads and loads of recordings that i I've been waiting about 20 years for certain recordings because um, what's it called? Gregory. Do you know who Gregory Bateson is? Yeah. For a... Yes. All right. There we go. So Gregory Bateson, um, Jay Haley and a guy whose name I can't pronounce. I think it's Polish. They did loads and loads of studies because they were trying to. St this is how NLP was actually formed. Well, before NLP was formed, actually, um, they were trying to study all of the systems and all the processes that uh, Erickson used in his speech so that they they, re they were recording him for experimental and research purposes. So they had a two way mirror and they'd have Milton Erickson in a room and they were recording him while he was doing hypnosis on people because they wanted to know how the hell he was doing this, 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 this demon um, madness oh, thanks to the person that just messaged me saying do it um yeah so th there's those recordings which i i've seen one of those recordings and i found it on youtube and i was like yay and also if you go on youtube you get little these little sort of two minute three minute bits and pieces of milton erickson um i've got I think I've got one video, but it might be something that um, I don't know if it's on YouTube already or whatever. But I've only got one video of uh, Milton Erickson in my in my arsenal of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's really really tough because there's the Milton Erickson Foundation in Arizona, um, where this guy called Jeffrey is protecting and blocking people from access to all the beauty and all the gold. Um, and Gregory Bateson, I don't know what he did with all his research material. It's really, really, really difficult. Um, yeah, just really difficult. So the way that you have to learn about Ericsson is, is through the sort of second-hand thing or through his books or for the tiny um, little snippets that you can find on on um, on YouTube and that. Um, but yeah, good point, Brooke. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. All right, let me just look on this back channel thing. Thank you for the message from Mrs... Uh, uh, Tarasenko, okie dokie dokie dokie, you got it, yeah, the answer is yeah, okay, brilliant, right, guys, I'm out of here, um, Brooke, lovely connecting with you, um, never met you before, you just come into the room and you just said all the right words, so uh, thank you for being here, um, I followed you here on the good old clubhouse, for those of you that aren't members of this clubhouse, um, the NLP Mastery and Coaching Club, uh, just click the little greenhouse at the top of the room. The main intention of this club is to help people who wish to master um, their NLP um, uh, and their coaching. And that, that is, that's inclusive of um, everything, everything Ericksonian and some other branches of psychology that influence the field of NLP too. Um, 
but more on that some other day. But on that note, thank you, massive thank you um, to Ashley, Cassandra, Nikki, Sarah, Vox, um, Mohit, I hope I'm saying that correctly now, Nadia, am I saying your name correctly? Um, Cosmos, whose real name is something else, uh, Dina or Dina, I never know which way to pronounce your name, and Brooke, um, again, thank you for coming in here and uh, helping with the energy of things. Um, guys, same time tomorrow night. We stayed nine minutes over. But same time tomorrow night. I can't remember what tomorrow to, 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 uh, I can't even talk now. I can't remember what tomorrow night's meant to be. Um, tomorrow's room is meant to be, ooh, crikey. Tomorrow's, tomorrow, um, talking about modelling modeling um and just in case anyone's wondering what modeling is i'm not talking about walking up and down a catwalk even though i am an ex-model who used to walk up and down catwalks in <laughs> london fashion week um i'm talking about the process um which bandler grinder gregory bateson jay haley um jeffrey zieg all of these people um uh, used to copy and learn from people like milton erickson and other great people now why am i talking about modeling it's because hey ho what would it be like if the different if all of you guys the room were able to use the skills of modeling to go out into the world and find people that were excellent find people that are geniuses and be able to study their mindsets in a in a in a systematic way which is um as simple as hell um and and so on and so forth it's yeah i'm, I'm gonna leave it like that but on that note i'm gonna say goodbye um nadia who's just left the stage has just pinged me into a room um ping, pinged me into a room and it's called the suffering build character. Ooh. Hmm. I'll go in there for a little bit and uh, hear what other people are saying. But for now, um, cracky, hold on. I have to dismiss this to end the room, to leave the room, to go into the... Oh, for God's sake. They just love Clubhouse. Um, again, everyone in the room, thank you very much. And uh, same time tomorrow night, people. Goodbye. Take care of yourselves. <laughs>